Hello, this is Sean Leary. Welcome back to QC Uncut, your podcast for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers, both in the arts and politics, and really, you know, anybody who is of interest, who is fascinating, interesting people here in the Quad Cities, they're going to be here on this show to offer unedited conversation. I press record, we talk, you hear everything that we say, whether I screw up or the desk screws up or whatever, you get to hear it here on QC Uncut. Now, my guest today, longtime friend of mine, Jason Platt. Um, Jason has been a cartoonist and author for quite some time. Um, a few years back, signed a book deal, and now he has his first book out on what publisher is it? Uh, Little Brown Books and with the Young Readers. Okay. And it's called Mid- Middle School Misadventures. And it is a semi-autobiographical somewhat. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Jason, thanks a lot for being on the show. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Um, let's talk a little bit about the book. We'll start with the book. Tell us a little bit about it. What are the characters? How do you get the inspiration for this? And then we'll go back and tell us how this whole thing came about with Little Brown. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, Middle School Misadventures is actually the same characters that I use uh, in my comic, Mr. and Me, uh, that's been around for nine years now. And uh, the... Um, Mr. and Me is basically the story of uh, a single parent and his little boy who is perpetually five years old. And uh, Middle School Misadventures is the same characters, except uh, Newell, the little boy in Mr. and Me, is now in middle school. Uh, so it's the same characters from the, the comic, but now uh, obviously middle school, a little bit more independent. So he's not like he's not five years old anymore. He's not five years old anymore. He's, he's not like Worms or in Revenge of the Nerds. No, no, he is not. He, Doogie Howser. He, he's taller. Uh, he's got more friends, uh, a little bit more independent. And uh, it was really interesting to write about because Mr. and me is basically, you know, the, the father and son. And, you know, you see the father with some of his friends and you see Newell with a little some, some of his friends. But this is you know, mostly Newell and, you know, the hijinks and stuff that happens to him. So what led you to go to make that jump? I mean, was it because I know that, I know this is semi, I mean, somewhat based upon your own experiences as as first single dad and, you know, and your relationship with your son. Um, And what led you to make the jump? I mean, was because your son was getting older, you were seeing different things or, you know, was there something else that, you know, led you to to change things up a little bit? Well, when I first started writing the book, uh, it was actually uh, envisioned as something like a like a big Nate or a wimpy kid book where um, it was uh, prose spot illustration prose spot illustration spot illustration prose um, and that that's actually the very first draft of how uh, this story started and it was basically the same characters same age range so uh, originally Newell was still five years old going you know to early like like preschool kindergarten type of a thing and uh, we me and my agent were kind of shopping it around and it was actually someone at Scholastic uh, who caught wind of it and they said I really like this Uh, would Jason be interested uh, in making Newell older and uh, making it a full graphic novel. And I got the feedback, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing different. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the same character. It's just exploring new avenues and adventures in his own life. And it was really great because, you know, uh, 
um, to explore this this new area, and it was a lot of fun. So where did you get the idea originally for Mr. and Me? How did the whole thing start? And then, um, you know, go through a little bit how things progressed to the point where, you know, you decided to make your pitch to and ended up getting uh, hooked down with an agent and the book deal. Sure, yeah. I was actually, uh, oh, boy, like, how do I... One of my favorite stories, I'm just trying to break it down to, like, how I can start it right. Um, when my son was born, I actually have, like, this little moleskin um, notebook or drawing book that I have. And what I did is that when he was an infant, I would, like, write down his, like, his milestones in there and, like, uh, draw, like, pictures from him from life. Like, him lying in my arms, you know, with his pacifier, I would draw it. Or, like, when he was sleeping, you know, draw him. Because infants are awesome to draw because they mm-hmm. just lie there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they're static models. They're pretty, yeah, they're, they're awesome to draw. Um, uh, as a parent. And so uh, that became kind of his, his baby book and uh, one, of my, one of my treasured possessions. And when he kind of became like, you know, about like two years old and became more of like a toddler, it became harder and harder to draw him because he's running around all the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as, as he got older, the, the sketches became a little bit looser and uh, not as many. And the next thing I did was for his third birthday, I uh, wrote like this, I compiled this book of poetry for him and did some spot illustration and uh, printed it out, hand bound it uh, hardback and made like a dust jacket for it and everything like that. And I gave it to him for his third birthday. So I had like the baby book with his drawings and I had the book of poetry for him that I gave to him. And then it was like, what am I going to do now? You know, and it's one of those things as as a parent, you know, you, you know, you, you, you tell your kids that you love them and you give them hugs and, you know, you, you do all these things to tell them that, you know, you love them, but I wanted to do more, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, trying to figure out what I could do. And so I was really kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say I'm struggling, but, you know, just figuring out what was next. And uh, for years, I mean, when you're a kid who doesn't like comics and cartoons yeah. and stuff like that, I, you know, I, I grew up loving Jim Davis. I would actually, I remember as a kid uh, getting the paper and like cutting out, you know, the Garfields and like putting them in a little, you know, notebook with glue and stuff like that. Um, loved them. And, but then for some reason, for there was many years where I was, I kind of thought that like cartooning was like beneath me for some reason. And I don't know why, because... Because of society. I was like that, too. When I was a teenager, I actually worked in comics. And then I got to college, and I got to art school. And when I was about 19 or so, I got out of comics. And I was like, oh, I want to do fine art now. Yeah. I want to do painting and stuff. Yeah. And I, I look back, and I'm like, Jesus, what an idiot. You know, I should have stayed in comics, for Christ's sakes. It was fun, and, and ended up booming and becoming huge. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly what I, I did. And uh, I wanted to do uh, important paintings and illustrations. Mm-hmm. And, and stuff and you know went down to uh, uh, first I started at Black Hawk College and then I transferred down to the Savannah College of Art and Design down in Savannah, Georgia and it's like I just I just wanted to do paintings you know and but it's, it's so funny because during that time you know, if, if he saw me sketching or doodling, it was always cartoony stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, right. and not because it was easy, but it was just something I liked doing right. and I didn't listen to that voice of mine, I didn't listen to it and uh, I remember I was working 
as a illustrator and graphic designer for a local publisher here. And I was working on an ad uh, for some of their products. And they said, hey, would you want to do this ad? But we're kind of thinking like in a cartoony type of a way. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So it was a couple pigeons. And I was starting to draw the pigeons. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this is just a blast. I'm just, I, I was, it was one of the, I mean, I had a lot of great work days, but that was like one of the, one of the best. And as I'm drawing and I was like, what if I did a comic of me and my son? And, mm-hmm. and suddenly it was just like, boom, you know, it was like these two ideas just kind of like working together. And, uh, I, I came up with the, the name, uh, right then and there and drew like a loose sketch of, uh, what the characters are going to look like. And, um, uh, I had literally no intention. This is what's crazy. I had no intention of anybody uh, even looking at these because the the first two things that I gave my son were you know just something for him only. Right. And so when I came up with the idea, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just do, you know, maybe fifty comics and kind of do the same thing. I'll get them printed out and I'll bind them and I'll give it to him as a nice little present. And uh, I did do that. However. Uh, people kind of got wind of what I was doing, and they wanted to they wanted to see them too, and so I just started uh, originally uh, posting them on Facebook. And uh, uh, I remember it was back in the day; it was kind of a big deal to have your own Facebook, you know, product page <laughs> right. or whatever, like whatever it was. And um, you sure it wasn't MySpace, Jason? It wasn't actually. It was it still it was Facebook. Yeah. It was Facebook, and. Um, uh, then in like in 2011, uh-huh. uh, Ray Kabika with uh, Western Illinois University, uh, he and I got talking and uh, he was like, this would be great to adapt for a children's theater. Mm-hmm. He goes, would you let me adapt your work? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know. And so as a as a theater person, you know, I've been doing theater for 30 years, you know, to have someone want to, you know, adapt your work like that. I was like, wow, that would be great. And so uh, they did. And uh, in February of 2011, there was the, the Mr. and Me show. Mm-hmm. And it was traveling regionally. And uh, uh, the, the only thing I asked, they asked, like, how much I would, you know, want to get paid or whatnot. And I said, just go to my kid's school, you know, and perform for them. Mm-hmm. And they did, and uh, it was just—it was just, at the time, it was just so amazing, and just so proud, and so happy, and still, once again, not really even thinking that, um, you know, this was something I was going to do, uh, but it was something I kind of did on the side, and um, uh, I was still working in the corporate world, and uh, then in 2015, just decided to to stop and go on my own uh, because. Uh, when, when you're an artist, uh, you know you know full sure. well what it's like. You know when you're when you're working forty hours a week plus, you know plus with traveling and whatnot, and you know you you only have enough gas in the engine to do your creative work. You know for at the end of the day, you know, and so I uh, um, soon after I I um, uh, left the corporate world, I got an agent and. Uh, um, how did you How did you find your agent? Uh, I, I'm a part of the uh, Society of Children's Writers and Illustrators group. And uh, for a while, uh, the Iowa chapter would have meetings he, right here in Davenport. And um, uh, we're in Rock Island right now, but, you know, it's all the same <laughs> here in the Quad Cities. And, 
And so I went to their conference and uh, um, had a one-on-one with uh, my agent and uh, signed on. And um, it, it took a little time, but, you know, it, I'm not looking back. Mm-hmm. How does your son feel about all this? Oh, you know what? He, he loves it. And that's actually one of the things I was really conscious about. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, all the anyone who's in the creative field who mm-hmm. uh, works like with writing or, or right. drawing or whatnot or, you know, whatever it may be, um, you, we're all influenced by what is surrounding us. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not the only one, you know, who's who's uh, been inspired by their uh, job as a parent. Um but it, it is something I was very conscious about because, you know, as one of my favorite, you know, series growing up and kind of still is, is, you know, uh, Winnie the Pooh. And you can't help but hear those stories about, you know, the real Christopher Robin being, you know, kind of bitter about, you know, the attention of, you know, uh, his role in those stories. And so it was every now and then I do kind of check in with my son and, you know, just say like, hey, are you, you know, we're, are you good with this? Because if you're not you know, uh, I will change directions because, you know, while this is not a hundred percent our lives, you know, the character is based off of him mm-hmm. and the dad is based off of me, but you know, it's something I'm, I'm conscious about. Mm-hmm. And he's always been cool with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think he, he loves it. Does he have a, a certain celebrity in regard to it? Does he ever, does he ever like, yeah, that's me in that book. You know, uh, he, he's older now. It's kind of neat for him to like, you know. Yeah, he he does think it. Oh, totally. He thinks he thinks it's neat. Um, I don't. I don't think he's like, you know, wearing Newell shirts and you know, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, he he loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, uh, and you and I have talked about this before. I mean, long. You know, we've known each other for quite some time, and one of the things that we discussed, and this is something that you and I have in common, is writing things for fathers and sons and that as odd as it seems that's so rare i mean you look at like children's books and i remember when jackson my son was little then he would always say he's like why is it always the mommy you know it was like we'd read a book together and it would be like you know why is it like the mommy bear and the dad and the baby bear the mommy penguin and the baby penguin and stuff why aren't there ever any books for dads why aren't there ever any daddy books and stuff and it's true like the vast majority of them were you know like uh mothers and sons and there weren't as many and so um you know that i think that's kind of cool because people fathers need that you know you look at society and there's this epidemic of deadbeat dads of fathers that leave the nest they don't want to have anything to do with their kids um the remiss as parents and it's really strange when you look at how society kind of um, stigmatizes fatherhood to a certain extent. Where um, pop culture, the dad's always stupid. You know, the dad's stupid and incompetent, and he is a big oaf, and he makes mistakes all the time, and everything else. He's never well, Homer Simpson. Yeah, exactly. Peter Griffin. You know, um, any Kevin James sitcom. You know, more um, movie. And so, you know, it does. It kind of like if you're a guy. And this isn't something that comes up a lot in conversation, but you look at it and you look at, okay, well, all the cool guys in media, if you're somebody who has your life impacted by pop culture and media, and so many people do, 
all the cool people are single. They don't have any kids. They don't have kids around. They're always like, you know, James Bond and, you know, that type of, you know, guy. They're always the lone wolf. They don't have kids hanging around, you know. And the guys who do have kids hanging around, well, they're stupid and oafish and everything else. There's never, like... You know, anything with like a cool dad. There's never anything where it's like, it's not even so much the cool dad who's always trying to be cool. It's just the fact that it's like a normal relationship where there's a, a father and a son. Right. And they have a, you know, a good relationship and they talk to each other and they do things together. And you don't see those positive examples, those positive role models like you do with mothers and daughters so often in pop culture. And I think that's important. I think it's important to have those type of examples. I'll out there um, so that people see that and they see, wow, this is something that you can aspire to. This is something that's normal. This is something that it's cool to do. It is cool to be a good parent, um, whether you're a father or a mother. Um, when you were looking at the market, and obviously, like you signed with the publisher and everything else, they look at things like that too. Um, what did you, you know, see as any sort of, you know, as your place in this? Did you look at that and go, "Wow, this is something that is 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 you know, kind of uncharted terrain that we could go upon here?" And um, you know, what do you see, you know, in looking at this and looking at it versus other things in the market? Um, how do you see your place pop culturally in terms of you know representing? Presenting that relationship of a father and a son and having a functional relationship in your work. Well, it's a, that's an interesting thing. It's uh, it, it, I don't want it to seem like you know. Uh, I, th- I think when you break things down and you start to analyze like the statistics and you know charts and you know like you know this is something that's missing from uh, uh, society or you know the book market or the movie market, whatever it may be, I think you start to lose the the impact. You know, it just happens to be you know my story. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to. Um, uh, activate any certain like there's no agenda by any means at all it's uh the the comic itself celebrates parenting in general you know it just happens to be uh a dad and his son you know it could be you know a mom and the son it could be uh, a, a mom and uh their or an aunt and their niece or nephew or you know could be even be like a mentor or wh- whatever it may be it's it's celebrating a connection and um, I guess like one of the things is like like with uh, middle school misadventures, uh, it it is a the story of a middle school kid who by chance lives with a single dad, you know his his dad who happens to be single, mm-hmm. you know so it's it's not even p- really part of the story. We don't even talk about like uh, in the book um, uh, anything with. Uh, the you know that they're that you know the dad is unmarried right. you know it just happens to be what it is you know and you know George Lucas I'm sure didn't you know uh, set out to write Star Wars because like he's looking at the market going like oh they're, they're we're missing you know space movies uh-huh. he wanted to tell that story you know uh, the reason why he wrote uh, or came up with Raiders of the Lost Ark was because he wanted to see that movie and no one was making that movie Mm. and you know that's kind of like with with, you know I think anybody in the creative market you know you want to you want to tell your story and that's actually one of the reasons why I got to where I was is because I spent so many years doing theater 
I was constantly telling someone else's story. Mm-hmm. You know, you give, you're given a script, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. I love taking a script and finding the character and, you know, uh, finding the, the meat of who that, that person is uh, and finding their motivations. I, I just love it. And I love, I love working with uh, an actor or actress who, you know, where we... Uh, volley the the tennis ball of, of acting like you know back and forth and it's like really it can be really exciting um, but once again you're always telling someone else's story and I I got to the point where I wanted to tell my story and um, you you can only do that if you work at it and spend time with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I haven't done as much theater lately is because uh, working on your own stuff takes time. And to make it good, it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why. Well, I guess I, I like, did not ex- ask that question. It was very convoluted in the way I was asking that question. I guess what I'm saying is... Um, uh, Given that you know you find yourself in that position, do you think that it's a good position to be in where you are representing a positive example of a father and son relationship? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I love how like I say this, like I'm trying to get to a point, and I'm like I go round and round and round it, and then I think about it, I'm like, oh well, there's a, here's one sentence to ask you the question, Jason. <laughs> like, disregard that spaghetti that I just threw at you, that verbal spaghetti I chucked at you last time. Here's something that's right to the point. No, I, I think you know. It's, uh, I, I love, um, I love having fathers come up to me and, and tell me that, you know, the, the, the story means something to them, uh, especially with the comic, um, because, you know, some, there are, there are times when, uh, fathers do get forgotten, you know, and, um, I, I a hundred percent agree that, uh, pop culture has made, you know, the, the idea of, uh, of a father, um, to be oafish and do and like a doofus and can't do anything right because it's it's they go for the cheap laughs, mm-hmm. you know. And um, uh, like I said with with the comic, it, it celebrates not just you know being a father, which I is the best job to me in the whole wide world, but it celebrates you know uh, the connection between a parent and their child. It just happens to be a father and a son. I think that's so important. You know, I've discussed this before because both of us are very dedicated to to our our sons, and it is something that it, it's it's unfortunately it's a little bit more open now, but like. It, it's been rare. You know, you don't see as many fathers who are as openly affectionate or as openly, you know, um, you know, communicative about the relationship with their son and what it means to them. Or, or if they have a daughter, I mean, just with their children in general. I mean, fathers with their children. You don't see that as much. Um, that's really unfortunate because you should feel that way. Like you said, regardless of whether you're a mother or a father, you're a parent. And you have this little human being that you've brought into the world. And you're responsible for them. And you have a responsibility for their growth and, and for them to you know navigate their way through this world. And it is. It's an awesome responsibility. And it's really the most important job you have and so i think that it, that should be something that's celebrated and discussed more openly as something that should be celebrated 
Yes. <laughs> I don't, was there a question there? <laughs> you looked as if you were going to comment. You're like, you looked like you were thinking about something to say. So I handed the mic over to you, Jason. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I think that um, uh, let's go back a, a few generations. I think that um, uh, the the role of father has changed. Uh, in in the past three decades or three generations, let me mm-hmm. say, you know, because um, you know my grandfather, who I love dearly, was a very stoic, you know, you know, man's man, you know, um, you know, shake your hand mm-hmm. and you know, you know, pat you on the arm, and that that meant the world to you because that's that was like a hug, right? You know, and um, it's about the only acknowledgement you got a lot of times. Well, yeah, you know, and you just kind of, I don't know why, you just kind of accepted that's what. The relationship was like, right. you know, and I think that um, uh, it, it's like there, there's this great line in uh, in Fight Club where I can't remember who says it. Actually, it doesn't matter. It's the same character, you know. It's, it's, I think I know where you're going. It's Tyler who says it. Well, it's Ed Norton's character. Yeah, right, wink, right, wink. Right. Yes, you know, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but where they say um, we are a generation of of men raised by their mothers. Uh-huh. I just totally destroyed that line. But anyway, the the point is there, and there's nothing wrong with that. And right. you know, it's like my mom worked her butt off to uh, provide for me, and uh, and I I I think that we as a society, you know, have, I don't want to say especially Gen Xers, but um, I think that Gen Xers had experienced a lot of divorce and a lot of split homes. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen now because it does. Uh, but I feel like um, it was very different for us in Gen X. And now I think it's more, you see more co-parenting. Whereas with us, um, our parents, we were the latchkey generation, where our ki- our par- our parents split. Where our, ours were the generation where it first started to see most of the kids' parents were divorced, um, and typically the 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 social construct was that dad goes off and he's not he's he's only there on the weekends at most, and you're with your mom most of the time, and she's got to work. Yeah. Be, and so you're basically taking care of yourself. I mean, you know that's what it was like for me, where my I grew up in Chicago. My parents split. My dad moved to New York. I only saw him like a month, month and a half in the summers. The rest of the time I was with my mom. I was the oldest of four kids with my mom. She was working two, three jobs. And so we took care of ourselves. And that, I, I know my story is not unique. There are a lot of kids yeah, in Gen exactly. X that were the same way. Yeah. Now, growing up in the 80s, you saw like, you know, we were little kids. Yeah. We were raising ourselves in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that uh, uh, we we recognize what we had missed and we know what we wanted out of our own lives. And, you know, circumstances happen, you know, uh, like I said, you know, divorces aren't just unique to, to the Gen X generation. They happen, they're happening right now, you know, and, you know, there are kids who are, are torn apart because of it. Um, but I think with the, um, with the Gen Xers, we, wanted something different for our kids right you know even if the circumstances were you know uh the same in a sense we wanted to be present Mm -hmm. we wanted them to know that uh we were there for them you know and that they're loved you know and that's when you have you know movies like uh for gen xers you know feel the dreams you know where 
the the whole message with that, you know, it, it kind of kicks us in the in the butt, you know, of like reminding us, you know, probably with the boomers, because you know, maybe even like with them seeing a movie like that, going like, oh, why am I, why did I miss that opportunity with my kid, father, you know, son or daughter, you know, I missed that opportunity, but we see movies like that and are inspired to not let that happen. Right. You know, and uh, if there's one thing, you know, I want my son to know is that I am there for him, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I think that uh, it's, it's changed a lot and a lot in the past 20 years or so. I think with a lot of us, we look at the song Cats in the Cradle and we never want it to be relevant to us because really Cats in the Cradle was such a definitive song for so many parents of that generation you know and they looked at like and and prior to you know the greatest generation it was very much a generation of father goes off and he works and that's what he does and he comes home and doesn't see the kids a whole lot and he's out earning money and you know and that's just the way society was and i'm not condemning these things i'm just saying that this is the way society was at that point the roles were very defined in terms of that and so you look at a song like cats in the cradle and it's less relevant now to parents to fathers particularly because i think we've become and i think that started with generation x where we really started to we were the latchkey kids who did not see our fathers that much and i think we wanted to change that in a lot of ways and i think that you know subsequent generations have been the same way where they don't want to be absentee fathers you know Uh, i mean certainly there are still like deadbeat dads and absentee fathers but i think it's there's more of a trend towards you know equal parenting or or fathers want to be more part of their kids lives absolutely and you know you're talking about like with pop culture with um how fathers and men are kind of depicted you know in a family sense where they're kind of like a, a homer simpson but with the with the uh, Gen Xers, uh, we grew up with the uh, with the celebration of women, and you know we had Mary Tyler Moore and we had Alice, you know, and uh, and stuff like that. And we, at least I did, we grew up um, respecting women in their in their workplace in their roles because we were watching it live, surrounding yeah. ourselves. We, we we had this you know awesome female role model who took mm-hmm. part not only as the as the mom but as the as the dad as well and you know we we looked at our at our moms as the Mary Tyler Moore of our home mm-hmm. you know and how awesome was that you know um so um I'm ellipsing right there. No, no, you're no. I, I agree. I think that that's that that is very much because I've you know had this discussion. I've had like I've talked to you know women about it and said you know I I mean I was raised by my mom and I, my my sister I had you know, a couple sisters and everything. So there was the, she was always the person who was the biggest influence in my life. She was always the person, and she went out and she worked and she took care of all everything for the house and everything else. And so when you have that kind of a role model, you can't help but respect that regardless of the gender roles and everything else. You just respect that person. And so I think that, you know, typically those of us who have been raised in that role, we do have that respect or that intrinsic respect for women as being powerful figures and capable people because that's what we've seen and that's the way we were raised. That's the way that they were. And so I think that's really important. Um, But, um, 
what's the reception to this been like totally like switching the directions and everything else um but um what's the reception to this been like um what uh, you know have have the critics said so far what have you know audiences you know said so far in terms of the book in terms of middle school adventures misadventures well one of the uh greatest compliments that we've gotten in the past few days is hearing the stories of like um uh the the young boy uh taking the book into their room and with the flashlight and still reading when they should have been sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but that was just one of the biggest compliments because uh, they, it tells me that they wanted to finish reading it. They wanted to keep reading it, you know, and you know, that, that, um, that, uh, that idea of the kid with the flashlight reading the book, it just, it's, I don't know, it warms my heart. You know, and um, it's it's being received really well. Uh, a lot of laughs, good reviews, and um, not only with not only with the kids, but even with the parents. Because like uh, one of the reviews that we read on uh, on Amazon was uh, uh, a mom saying that I don't normally get. Um, uh, graphic novels for my kid, but he really wanted this one, and I, I looked at it, and it seemed like it was good or something like that, and and um, uh, he got re- finished reading it, she said, and then I read it from cover to cover, mm-hmm. you know, and so that, that made me feel really good, because um, uh, I try to make the, the story really strong, but the art really strong, and, you know, not... Not just a, a, it just so happens to be a story that is targeted for you know a, a younger age group, but it doesn't mean that anybody can pick it up and enjoy it. Now I'm assuming this is the beginning of a series. Now, this is something that you're going to go into. What are you looking at in terms of working on you know upcoming books and things of that nature? I actually uh, just got done uh, penciling the second book, which is going to be out a year from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, title is going to be uh, Middle School Misadventures Operation Hat Heist. <laughs> that, that's as much as I'll go into right now. You don't want to detail the hat heist or give us any clues as to what the heist may entail? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Platt, a man of many secrets, man of many hats. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. Um, just got done uh, penciling out the complete 224-page uh, book and uh, just sent all of that out along with the, the full script uh, to, the, to my um, editor, and, um, which is perfect timing because, you know, the, the book, uh, The First Middle School Misadventures, just came out. So I, I get a little bit of a, of a breather to, you know, promote the book and, you know, and all that. How much promotion are you doing? How much is the, is uh, you know your publisher doing, and how much are you doing yourself? What are some of the things that you're going out and about to do to promote the book? Uh, for me personally, it's you know uh, um, posting things on um, my Facebook pages uh, that anybody can uh, look into. Uh, Jason Plow Illustrator or Mister and Me, um, but then also we have. What are those web pages and Facebook pages, Jason? Jason Platt Illustrator and Mr. Meek. <laughs> dot, dot com, dot org, dot oh, These are on Facebook. Okay. Uh, but you have, I'm assuming you have a website. That's I'm, I'm giving you the platform to plug the crap out of your stuff, and you're like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> no, the, and the um, uh, on Instagram, which is uh, Mr. Me Comic, mm-hmm. and uh, Twitter, which is uh, Jason Platt underscore cartoonist, but then also the middle school misadventures.com 
home website, okay. which um, is directly about uh, the publication, where you can find it, a little bit about me, about the characters, mm-hmm. uh, and some downloads for your kids to uh, of the characters and like color them, stuff like that. So you're going to be doing a book tour or anything, doing any signings? Uh, loose uh, at this point. Um, I'm, I'm so, so busy that uh, a tour at this time doesn't really fit in with the schedule because uh, unlike... Um, like I was telling you about, like with the original idea with uh, the book, which was going to be prose and spot illustration type of style. Uh, a graphic novel takes a whole heck of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, to with working on the first middle school misadventures book, there was a stretch for like five months. I was literally working eighteen hours a day, seven days a week to uh, to meet my deadlines, and I wouldn't change anything of the world, but. Uh, very little room for anything else. <laughs> so, um, what are you most looking forward to in regard to this adventure that you're on right now with these books? And you know, would you like to see this become a TV show or a movie or something like that? Is there any talk of anything like that? Uh, I know that uh, the uh, the first middle school misadventures book has been uh, approached with uh, people like at Netflix and uh, other places. So you know. Things are up in the air. You know, it would be it would be awesome, and it would certainly be something that would entertain. Uh, one of the next steps that we are currently um, looking forward to is uh, the foreign market and uh, getting uh, like the book translated uh, for different countries. Mm-hmm. That's so that a lot of fun, and it's one of those things. Just kind of what you were kind of talking about. It's a journey, and. Uh, I'm just kind of like on the on the wave, mm-hmm. but you know, I want to make sure I stick the paddle in every now and then to make sure that you know I do what I can, right. you know. So that's why you know I, I uh, wanted to make sure that there was a website dedicated to uh, to the book and make sure that you know um, uh, if there was anybody who was. Uh, wanting more information about it then they can find out directly from me mm-hmm. and we have a, a sign up sheet for like a newsletter so you know like quarterly we'll send out like uh, some new information about you know what's happening with uh, not only with the publication but uh, with what's coming next so what has stood out for you in terms of memories things that you know have happened to you with this um, aside from maybe you know the flashlight story um, but uh, in addition to that some things where you're like wow this is like I mean walking into the bookstore and seeing it or whatever anything that's really like made an impact upon you in a positive way the whole I mean I don't want to sound cliche but the whole darn thing is just amazing to me and uh, something I'm not taking for granted by any means and um, but I probably like one of the, the standout memories um, uh, my son and I were uh, driving out to Maine in 2017 for our family vacation and we were literally turning into uh, the driveway of where we were staying for our vacation when I got the call from my agents that uh, Little Brown acquired the rights for the book. And so uh, it, it made that moment really memorable because, I mean, we were, I mean, literally pulling into the driveway when the phone call came. And uh, um, it's just been a terrific ride so far, and I'm looking forward to more. 
how has it been for your son and how has it been sharing this with your son i know you mentioned that a little bit um what's it been like for this whole process in terms of sharing it with your son well that's a great question because uh, uh my son um wants to be a writer himself and it's actually like on page 600 something of his first book that he's writing and um and so I want to share with him my experiences because the the world of publishing isn't just the creative side of just let me just write something and it, it doesn't just happen. There's a there's a world in which uh, um, things have an order to have you know things like this come out on the bookshelves and there's a lot of unknown things i mean it's just like with the theater you know you you may have a love for acting but how do you get onto the stage and you may not know about auditions or or what you know uh stage left and stage right stage right is and you know it it takes uh knowledge and of those little tidbits to help you understand the world a little bit more to tell a good story um and you need those moments to to learn from in order to to act on stage you need to know your lefts and rights and ups and downs and whatnot and it's it's the same thing with the publishing industry whether it's uh traditionally or self-published you know there there is a, a step process and uh when you don't know and this goes with anything in life. If you don't know anything about the situation, it becomes scary. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have an idea of what it's like or what to expect, then uh, that world uh, with the unknowns become less scary. And you kind of know, have an idea of what the process is. And so um, one of my favorite things is to, to let my son know the processes of which of which I am currently on so you know as he's writing he has an idea of what that world is like and you know of what to expect mm-hmm. anything else we haven't talked about that you think is important to mention and also tell us about what the future holds well Go ahead well like I said uh, literally just got done penciling the the second book mm-hmm. uh, and we'll be uh, inking and coloring that and getting that all ready for for next year uh, looking forward to if uh, little brown wants to keep up with the series which I would love if they did I would love to see um, more adventures like this on the on the bookshelves and kind of like one of the things I, I um, uh, people have asked me if this is like book one of a series and as such like this is like uh, episode one of a of a, of a season of a TV show uh, basically you you would be when you're holding this book you were holding the complete season of that right of those characters so each book will be a standalone uh, because I never wanted to be where um, someone was going like I need book three, you know, or uh, I'm waiting for book three or book four. I want them to be able to go, you know, I would love to have a middle school misadventures book. Which ones do you have? Well, I have numbered one, but anything after that, I don't care because I want each story to stand on its own and uh, just have the kids have a blast with it as much as I am. Cool. Middle school misadventures. Where can people find it again? Put in some plugs for your website, your social media. Where can people find it in bookstores like locally? Yeah, uh, locally uh, and across the country. Uh, you can find it at uh, Amazon. You can find it at Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart. 
uh, I think Powell Bookstore, uh, if you're up in, I think, Wisconsin. Um, so literally uh, anywhere that you buy books, you can find uh, middle school misadventures. Um, but... Um, or, like I said, you can buy it on Amazon and have it shipped directly to your door. Uh, and uh, if you know that I'm having a signing somewhere, uh, we will post it on my website, Middle School of Misadventures, and uh, see if I'm going to be in your hometown. Cool, cool. Th- Jason Platt, thank you so much for being my guest on the show. I'm very happy for your success. I actually posted something vague booked about this the other day. I'm like, I'm always happy to see cool people that I'm friends with find success. And you're one of the people I was thinking about. Oh, I'm, I, you know... Because I've, I've seen this process play out throughout the entire thing, and it's been great to see. Like, you're a really good guy. You're a great dad. And I'm very happy for your success, and I look forward to your continued success. Thank you so much, buddy. I, I really appreciate that, and uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Cool. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening to QC Uncut with my guest Jason Platt. His book, Middle School Misadventures, is in store right now. You can check that out and find him on all social media and check out where he's going to be signing books and stuff. Um, I definitely recommend checking that out. Once again, thank you for listening to QC Uncut, Uncut, Unedited, Uncensored Conversation. Starting to get a little loud here at the Java Hut, so I think we're cutting out at just the right time. I'm Sean Leary. Hope you have a great day.